Welcome to Practice Life, the podcast devoted to the important non-clinical issues affecting the daily practice of equine veterinary medicine. Practice Life is brought to you by the American Association of Equine Practitioners. And I'm Mike Pannell, a practice owner and veterinarian and a longtime EAP member and your host. Beringer Ingelheim Equine Health understands the incredible relationship that exists between horses and humans. And when it comes to managing the horse's health, there are actually two patients, the horse and the owner. That's why we create science that helps strengthen and prolong that bond. To learn more about Beringer Ingelheim's approach to equine treatments and solutions, visit bi-animalhealth.com equine. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the AEP Practice Life Podcast. I'm Mike Pownall, and this episode is our annual discussion with the powers that be of the AEP, our opportunity to ask them questions about what's going on in the AEP, what has happened, what the plans are. We always solicit questions from the AEP members' Facebook group to see what people are interested in. But also, this is special because I'm, I'm really happy to introduce a co-host, Dr. Jessica Dunbar from Littleton Equine. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you, Mike. I'm honored to be here. Let's start. This is going to be fun. And uh, I'm glad I have a partner in crime on this. So right off the bat, I'd like to introduce for the third time, very much like Tom Brady, just every year he's there, shows up, David Foley, the executive director. Hey, David. Hey, guys. Thanks for uh, for having us on today. Nice to be here. And we have the current president of the AP, Dr. Rob Franklin. Hey, Rob. Hey, Mike and Jessica. And we have President-elect, Dr. Katie Garrett, who is going to be really busy this year. Hi, how are you guys? Doing great. Before we begin, though, there's new people and new people to this podcast. Let's do some introductions. Let's know a little bit about you, where you practice, where you graduated, and your interests, what have you. So, Rob, let's start with you. So, tell us about yourself. Well, thanks, Mike. I'm a 1999 Texas A&M graduate, and I practice in uh, the Texas Hill Country, uh, sort of west of Austin and north of, of San Antonio, a little town called Fredericksburg. And we've got a, a four-doctor practice here. And, uh, you know, I enjoy all aspects of equine practice. I'm a boarded internist by training, but uh, I, I spent uh, probably the first dozen years of my life doing intensive care and have uh, changed to more uh, sports medicine and, and advanced diagnostics. At this point, I've got uh, my wife, uh, high school sweetheart, and we've been married for uh, 24 years this year. Uh, and we've got uh, two girls, a junior in high school and a, uh, a seventh grader. And so we're just uh, really enjoying a, a busy time in our life and in all aspects. And how about yourself, Katie? I am originally from Western New York. So I graduated from Cornell in 2003. Then I came down to Lexington, Kentucky to Rudin Riddle Equine Hospital, which is actually where I've spent my entire career, which is sort of unusual. So I did a couple internships there and then a surgery residency. So although I am a boarded surgeon, I don't do any surgery, which is probably best for everyone. And instead, my practice focuses mostly on diagnostic imaging. So I've been really fortunate in my career to have some amazing mentorship. Yeah. I mean, that's probably been the biggest, I would say, factor in having gotten me where I am today is just some really fantastic mentorships and those opportunities. Thanks. And David, you've been at the AP for a couple of years. 
Well, yeah, a fair bit. Uh, hi, David Foley, Executive Director. I am Louisville, Kentucky native, University of Kentucky, College of Agriculture graduate, Big Blue Nation supporter. I've been with the AP a long time. I started back in 1988 as the convention manager when we had a staff of four people back then and have done sort of every job in the building and have grown up in the association in the AEP and uh, became executive director in 2000. Excellent. And Jessica, people are going to be hearing your voice uh, more often in this podcast. So tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. I'm, my name is Jessica Dunbar, and I was a graduate of University of Illinois in 2005, then did a, an internship at Wisconsin Equine, which is a lovely group practice in southern Wisconsin. Really enjoyed that. That's when I figured out I really had a passion for dentistry and reproduction. So I was hired at Littleton Equine to do those two things, primarily dentistry and reproduction. As my life evolved, had two children, it became time to step back from the reproduction. So my main focus now is dentistry. I'm also certified in chiropractic, which I enjoy. I have a husband and uh, two girls, uh, age 11 and 14. And I understand, Rob, uh, the busy phase of life at this point. It's wonderful and <laughs> just busy. So it's an honor to be part of this. Thank you. I love this opportunity and I love being able to share the message. And Every year, I'm always impressed what the AEP is able to do. I mean, there's just so much, and it's not like nothing's been going on the last few years, and there's not like there are no challenges facing the equine veterinary profession. So a lot of that really has to do with you, David, and the team that you have. It's just anybody that interacts with the AEP office is always just impressed by how responsive and just how committed and passionate they are with the equine profession. So I just want to have that showed up. But what I want to ask Rob and Katie is, it's not like you're not busy enough with your daytime jobs and your nighttime jobs and weekend jobs sometimes. So let's start with you, Rob. Why do you volunteer so much of your time to the AEP? You know, Mike, I like Sammy Hagar and his whole mantra, you got to give to live. And uh, he's an old rocker from the 80s. And Giving back is just, if you're not doing it in some way, whether it's your time, it's your money, other resources, or just words of encouragement, I think you're just missing out on a big part of life and, and the ability to, to have satisfaction and true happiness in life. So this is just probably the best way that my skill set allows me to give back to the industry and, and the profession. Excellent. And how about yourself, Katie? I mean, much like Rob, I think it's it's important to remember to give back to the profession. So many people helped all of us get where we are in our careers. And this is just one way that we can sort of thank them and pay it forward to those younger than us and maybe hopefully make a little bit of a difference in in their experience, just like other people did for us. I remember meeting both of you for the first time when I was invited on the Education Programs Committee. I don't really want to remember how many years ago that was. But I remember that was my first time volunteering for an AAP committee, and I was just blown away by the talent and the, and the enthusiasm in the room. And it's just so cool to see how the two of you just keep on volunteering, keeping on volunteering, and boom, here you are just leading this great profession. So thank you for that. You're a, a model for other people coming into this organization as well. I would like to say, Mike, that uh, David and I were in, in Chicago at the AVMA Veterinary Leadership Conference about two weeks ago. And 
it was really interesting because we were surrounded with a lot of local uh, VMA presidents, so state uh, VMA presidents, uh, other professional organization leadership teams. And there was a talk going on and they were asking about uh, who here doesn't have a problem getting enough volunteers. David and I were the only ones that raised our hand out of a room of well over 100 people, right, David? I mean, it was it was amazing. So appreciate you giving uh, the kudos to, to Katie and I, but really it's our, our whole profession. For whatever reason, we are all super engaged and uh, and have that that desire to give back to the profession and which is unique excellent thank you both for all that you do would like to shift now and just talk about the convention i've heard a lot of good feedback there was kind of a, an excited hopeful vibe after this convention about our future maybe we could start just touching on the keynote which was perfect he addressed boundaries so thank you for whoever chose our keynote speaker. It was a very relevant topic. Rob, do you want to comment on that? Yeah, we always look at uh, surveys on, on what are the things that are important to our membership and our association. And there's just a resounding confidence there of people struggling with boundaries. And so the president-elect uh, has the, uh, the ability to, to choose the keynote speaker as the program director for each convention. And as I sort of pondered on the, the things that our membership needed to hear in, in an hour, what might speak to them and resonate, the word boundaries just kept coming up and up and up. John Townsend wrote uh, a book called Boundaries, and there's a series of books, and he wrote with another psychologist who co-authored it. And it is the, uh, it's the best-selling book about personal and professional boundaries. He was just a natural selection, and uh, I thought he did a great job. He, he really spent some time to understand where we struggled, the specifics to our uh, equine profession, and I thought he spoke to those in a very uh, tangible way for, for the members. Certainly. I think it's something that's relevant to new graduates as well as folks that have been out there for decades. I took away some uh, good points from that keynote. Would love to just say table topics are my favorite. I try to only attend table topics. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, compiling just a wonderful group of experts on uh, numerous topics. Any comments on table topics and how you choose those? They tend to be so well uh, received, and we struggle with trying to get the space right. You know, you'll have some some great scientific sessions that you go into. Uh, a really large room and there's not very many people and, and you'll go to a hot table topic and it's just standing room only and people listening in from outside the door. So you're right, uh, Jessica, it, it is a is an area of interest. It is a bit of a balancing act for us because of the race approval that's needed for uh, sessions and, and people want to spend their time in there. And uh, it can be tricky to to get that right where that right blend of scientific evidence-based medicine, here's the latest research with being able to share campfire stories with your colleagues that have been in the trenches with you and that have found little uh, things, practice tips and things that work. So we know it's an important thing and we really value it as, as our members do as well. There are just some tricks to, to getting that right. And I think Dave and his team manage that every year. And there's always a, a different set of circumstances to manage every year, but we value it just as you do. And I did take advantage of some of the virtual or one of the virtual table topics after the convention. 
that was also great and, and easy to navigate. So thank you. Is that something that was new this year or have you done it in years past? We've kind of picked up after uh, on the heels of COVID and to have the ability to have the virtual really helps. It helps people that maybe they are going to duck into a table topic and they're going to circle back and watch a scientific presentation virtually. I think that's probably the most common thing that happens. But there again, we also have the virtual table topics. You know, everyone gets frustrated. The more you put out in front of people, uh, the more awesome research and and clinical reviews and and papers and table topics, people just begin to to go a bit crazy about trying to be at two places at at one time. And I think that's really been a a great outcome, uh, sort of a silver lining, if you will, to the struggles through COVID is us developing that virtual platform and really being able to deliver content on demand to our members. And and that's been uh, so well received. Yes, thank you. A wonderful problem to have, to have all of that content that we want to see it all and hear it all. Katie, do you want to comment a little bit on on how you felt about the convention? I'll be honest, Rob hit most of the high points. One of the things that I enjoyed the most was it really seemed like people were so happy to be back in person. And, you know, yes, we were in person in Nashville, but it was just so nice to feel that energy of everyone being able to be together and catch up with each other. I do think that one of the little silver linings of COVID was the increase in the digital and virtual offerings and being able to communicate with each other throughout the year because of that. And perhaps that made some of that in-person convention experience all the more wonderful because you could meet some people in person that maybe you had seen online at various things. I thought it was such a wonderful energy. I mean, it was it was really, really great. I wasn't in Nashville, so this was like my first big public outing since before COVID started. I remember walking into the host hotel on the Friday and it was like, ah, <laughs> so many people, so many lights, so much noise. And it was overwhelming. But yeah, give me an hour later, it was like, my gosh, was this ever exciting to see everybody and to see familiar faces again. So that was really exhilarating. David, I know a lot goes into developing the convention. I know we go to San Antonio a lot, but every time must be some new experiences. So I just wonder if you can share with us from the background how the office puts this together and were there any unusual circumstances, Antonio? And, and how did you feel about the attendance overall? Well, I was very pleased with the attendance. We really were back to pre-pandemic numbers uh, in San Antonio. And so, of course, we had to go completely virtual in 2020. And then Nashville, we were back in person. And we still had a very strong showing in Nashville, which proved to be a popular spot that we're in the process of rebooking down the road. But then uh, San Antonio kind of put us back to 2019, 2018 uh, numbers with a little over 4,000 attendees. And and San Antonio is always a popular location for us. Of course, we have so many members in Texas in our date pattern shifts a little bit when we come to San Antonio. Due to another conflict with the convention center, we're always kind of pre-Thanksgiving dates in San Antonio. So sometimes that helps us attract maybe another segment of membership that wouldn't get to ordinarily attend by that particular date shift. So we were thrilled, uh, of course. And then, you know, in Nashville, we had the virtual convention as well with about 800 registrations virtually. When we surveyed them after the fact, about half signed up for the virtual meeting because of COVID concerns. This year, we had about 700 virtual 
convention registrations. And so I think that may even be a, a new market for us and it gives more opportunity for the members to, to view that content. It's got shelf life. Excellent. Can we also ask you about student attendance this year versus years past? Yeah, I think it was back up again. I don't have that figure right off the top of my head, but we were right around 200, which has become the norm. It's uh, it's a little bit tough because it's always kind of around finals time uh, when our convention meets. And so that does tend to impact student attendance a, a little bit. But we had a strong student program and, and a strong Avenues career night sold out that uh, event. There's an extended student program that has a day of labs and then just the regular meeting itself. But no, it was it was good. I was able to help with the student labs in the dentistry section, and it was just fantastic seeing. I'm not sure what the numbers were, but I, it was over 100 students and getting to interact with them in small groups. It was great. So thank you for organizing that. Absolutely. The hands-on component is is obviously something we hear about from members that's that's really desired. And so we're trying to to create those opportunities every chance we get. So Katie, you are the program chair for the upcoming convention. And I know there are some other educational opportunities coming along in 2023. So could you share with the members what uh, the AP will be doing in 2023, culminating with the big convention in San Diego? I cannot wait. Yes, I, I would love to. I mean, we have some really, really exciting educational opportunities this year. It starts with obviously our resort meeting, which might be over by the time this podcast comes out, but it's a wonderful meeting and that has it's a very relaxed vibe, but has some really amazing content in it. So that's a great meeting. And then in June, we're having a focus on podiatry, which has both lectures and wet labs. It's obviously a much smaller group than the annual convention. But we're able to use the facilities at a farm here in Lexington to really get into the wet lab portion. So that's, I mean, just a fantastic hands-on experience for all of that. Probably the most exciting new educational event that we have will be in October, which is our foundational skills educational event. And that also has lectures and wet labs. I mean, you'll notice we're really trying to do a lot of hands-on stuff. That's what our members say they want. It always gets wonderful reviews. We're lucky to have some, you know, really wonderful member instructors that are happy to participate in these labs. So these foundational skills sessions and meetings are targeted to newer practitioners, people who might be returning to equine practice, perhaps from a little bit of time away, time with family, maybe some in small animal practice, or honestly, people who just want to brush up on some of these skills. And one of the nice things is that built into the program are tons of opportunities to make connections with other people, meet new colleagues, and, you know, interact with the AEP, especially for members who, you know, are a little bit newer and really give people a sense of what the AEP is about, who their colleagues are, and also some really great education along the way. So, Ongoing, we obviously have our Wednesday evening roundtable events to a month. One topic is clinical and one is non-clinical every month. So those are another really great virtual option and attendance at those are really fantastic. So it's nice to see people engaging throughout the years. And we've had some really, really wonderful 
speakers on a variety of topics. And then the highlight of the year, of course, is always the annual convention, which is going to be in San Diego this year. So nice and sunny, hopefully beautiful weather. As always, we will have our members submitted how-tos and scientific papers that are selected by the Educational Programs Committee. And honestly, a huge shout out to the Educational Programs Committee and Scientific Review and Editorial Committee. They review all of the papers and offerings that come throughout the entire year. It's a ton of work. It's important to recognize all of those people who put in so much work getting our programs put together. So we have those. We're going to have in-depth sessions on things like complex lameness, mitigating pregnancy loss, the cervical spine, podiatry. We're also going to have some labs with the podiatry portion, which is great. Luckily, our venue is willing to accommodate some of those podiatry labs, which is great. And then probably the session that I'm most excited about at the annual convention, and kudos goes to Rob, I think, for really kind of coming up with and championing this concept, are these burst talks. So these are little five-minute talks on very practical topics that focus on, you know, take-home, immediate use skills. It delivered in, you know, kind of a quick format. Still very good scientific information, but really with a practical sense and, you know, delivered in a, in a quick format. So we're trying this out. We hope this different delivery method will really capture some people's attention and provide a little bit of a, a different learning experience for people. And then we will, of course, have some really important non-scientific topics. We're going to have some sessions on diversity, equity, and inclusion including an interactive training session, which should be really exciting. That's really fantastic. And I'm so happy that we are really embracing these sorts of initiatives and moving them forward in our organization. I mean, we want people to feel comfortable showing up to AEP meetings and, and being who they are. We're really looking forward to helping everybody, you know, work on some skills that we don't often work on when we think of the practice of veterinary medicine. And then we'll again have a session updating the membership on our sustainability initiative and how that's going. There's just, I mean, a jam-packed slate of events slated for 2023 that I think all of us are really, really excited about. Thank you, Katie, for all the work you are putting in in preparation for our convention in San Diego. Can we shift to what should members know about what the AAEP is doing uh, or focusing on this year behind the scenes. Would you like to, Rob or Katie, start start with that topic? The number one thing that's on the tip of everyone's tongue and the front of everyone's mind is the whole sustainability in our profession. And we're pretty excited about the commission that we've established on equine veterinary sustainability. There's been a, a lot of work, surveys, interviews, fact-finding uh, that has taken place over the past 18 months. And um, now we're at the, the point of starting to uh, distill that into some uh, case studies and toolkits and best practices and, and things that can be tangible for our members that can help them create a, a great profession if you're in the, in the practice ownership or if you're a mentor and you're an agent of change and, and you've got that power. And then also a light for those that are uh, newer into the 
profession or that are uh, perhaps students where they can see that there is active change, there is improvement. We're acknowledging some of our shortfalls, uh, acknowledging some of the things that have burned people out, that have uh, stressed relationships and just kept our profession from being as well or as healthy as it should be. There's a lot of pain right now. There's a lot of people that are just overworked and and stressed out and can't find help and, and can't get relief. And, you know, knowing that a big organization, you know, your professional organization is working tirelessly to create some change for sustainability. I think that's that's the number one thing that we're working on on the board. I mean, of course, we have a strategic plan. Of course, we have the the things that we have to react to that are happening in the industry. But the things that we're being very intentional about is is this commission on equine veterinary sustainability. And so, Rob or or Dave, could you break it down? Because I know there's numerous subcommittees because uh, it's a pretty broad scope, and I know it's the number one focus of the AP. So maybe David, you can uh, give an overview of what it is. Yeah, the commission is comprised of of five subcommittees, and those subcommittees were established based on research we did in 2021, and they really kind of represent the key pain point areas uh, in the profession. The first is compensation. And we just had a compensation study in the out in the field in the fall, and are kind of putting those results together. And really, a lot of it was focusing on starting salaries. and And what we're finding there is that it needs work, but it's not as bad as previously reported in JAVMA uh, in some of those things. The really the goal of that subcommittee is how can we raise compensation levels uh, at all levels, from interns to to practice owners, and you know handling accounts receivables and appropriate fee structuring and so forth. Well, Mike, you're, of course, on that subcommittee. And so that's some of the work that they're doing. Another area uh, is emergency coverage. And how do we help our members handle those after-hours calls? And there are practices that are out there that have developed some pretty successful models about that. And if you're going to change your your clinic to a haul-in only clinic, how do you have those conversations with your clients? about that change. And so we've got a group that's developing all of those sorts of resources. Obviously, another subcommittee focusing on students and and making sure that there are opportunity for further clinical education components with our student members, putting more AP presence and getting more practitioners into those student chapters, talking about equine practice, the internship. Internship's another subcommittee. That's a particular pain point, that internship year and how difficult that can be. And so we've had a group and they've been probably working the longest, almost 10 months now, trying to create guidance documents for people that are looking for interns, for a practice that's offering an internship and kind of tweaking that matching system to name just a few things. And then and then lastly, the there's one on practice culture because everything else kind of falls in the culture of practice. And, you know, what are good parental leave policies? What are good uh, inter-office, inter-practice communication techniques that can be used? How do you better utilize technicians? How do you set better boundaries and have more creative work schedules so everybody's not working seven days a week? You know, that group has quite a lot to cover, but, you know, I'm looking for some big things out of that group, too. So those are kind of our five key subcommittees, and, and they're blowing and going right now. And then two other aspects to this commission. One is about mentorship. And we've 
formed a strategic partnership with both Mentor Vet and Decade One for the AP and for the Foundation for the Horse to offer scholarship assistance. In fact, we just launched that in an email to a, a membership population today of 10 years or, or less out of school and offering 50% off the tuition for either program. And that, that went out about two hours ago, and I've already got 14 applications on my in my inbox for that. So, so that's going to be a, a, a popular thing, I believe. And, and it's, it could be a game changer frankly. Uh, and then lastly, how do we educate the horse owner? How do we make the horse owner aware of this crisis that the profession is facing? How do we ask for their assistance in this? And so there's some education and we've got a newly formed owner education committee that'll be involved in some of this. How do we educate our owners, our clients to help us with this? How do they deal with calling the veterinarian uh, when it's truly an emergency after hours and not just more convenient for them, paying their bills on time, things like that. And and I think the AP is in a position to be able to say those things on your behalf that you may not be able to say to clients yourself. So there's a lot there. And I, we're really excited about the direction this is going. And I think it'll really make make a difference. There's a lot there. You just covered so many important topics. Thank you. It's not enough that you have all the educational programs, but you have this on top of it. Right. We appreciate it. As an AAEP member, we, we sincerely appreciate the work you all do. The Decade One groups you mentioned, I've heard so much good feedback about. I would encourage anybody that's been out there uh, 10 years or less to seek out a Decade One group to join. I haven't done it myself, but I've, I've had some coworkers that have and just really enjoyed it. The stats from that are, are really, really good, Jessica. I I've have two colleagues that, uh, that I helped go through it, and, and one of those 14 applicants in your inbox is our newest associate, David. You know, I can tell you from my own case studies with these people that it really helps them feel part of this professional community very early on in their career. And we all need a sense of belonging in our personal and our professional lives. And you feel like for so much of your early career, you're on the outside looking in. There's a lot of skills that, uh, that are taught in MentorVet and Decade One about personal wellness and about business and how to be a successful uh, equine veterinarian. But one of the real big intangibles is just that sense of community, that sense of belonging that, uh, that they all deliver. And so, David, the, the stats on the retention of those decade one? I think in a conversation with Dr. Grice about 18 months ago that I asked her how many of the people that had gone through decade one were still in equine practice. And she started this in 2015, about 95%. So that's kind of when the light bulb went off, right? You know, how can we scale this up? Uh, ideally, anybody that's a new graduate would roll right into a decade one program. And, see, and hopefully we can get to that point someday. And I know that the Dr. Grice has also created a, a program called Starting Gate that veterinary students can actually join too. That's not part of our initial offering, but we have to start small, but it's great. Pretty impressive compared to a 50% attrition or retention rate, uh, 95 sounds like the number we're chasing. So this is going to be a key element, Jessica, to your point. Really get a sense that we were a bit in a gully, bit of, of a recess, but all I can think of when I left the convention is we're going back up again. It's getting back to 
a more better retention, more people, more students looking at equine practice. And I know there's a lot of grassroots organizations throughout North America doing things locally on the state or provincial level to encourage people to go into equine practice. So I think the future is quite bright. Oh, there's no doubt. We're going to come out so much better as, as individuals, as horse doctors, and as an association. I mean, there's a lot of pain. We definitely recognize that people are in a, a lot of pain and, and stressed out and burned out. But, you know, through pain comes gain, and it's happening. And, and just fast forward in five to ten years, and this is going to be a profession that's going to be so desirable, people are going to be begging to get into it, especially horse people that just have that love of the horse that, that we all have that, that made us choose this career. I think this is a unique time to be a new graduate. We're all becoming aware of these, these issues that can be difficult. And we're, oh, through that awareness, we can, we can solve some of these problems. So it's a great time. I was going to say essentially what Rob said, which was that we're in a tough time right now, but we're going to be able to use some of these pain points and some of the difficulty to come out stronger and better and look back and see how much change we've made. So one of the things that is so nice about volunteering for the AEP is being able to feel like you can make that change and having the opportunity to work with like-minded people. I mean, honestly, I didn't have anything else to add because Rob said it. <laughs> well, you know, this has been, I think, any of the members who haven't weren't at the convention and didn't hear some of this information are going to be quite excited hearing all this. Uh, I want to thank all of you for taking the time and joining us. For more resources to help you in daily practice, please visit the AAP's website at aaep.org. Beringer Ingelheim Equine Health understands the incredible relationship that exists between horses and humans. And when it comes to managing the horse's health, there are actually two patients, the horse and the owner. That's why we create science that helps strengthen and prolong that bond. To learn more about Beringer Ingelheim's approach to equine treatments and solutions, visit bi-animalhealth.com equine.